Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on March 6, 2022, on the basis of Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. The scene was set. There was a wide open field and a battle about to begin. And right in the middle of this field was one of the largest human beings to ever live. His name was Goliath and he was a Philistine. And for a while now, he has been standing in the middle of this field, taunting the Israelite army, daring one of them, trying to provoke one of them to come out and to fight him. And to the surprise of no one, No one was willing to do it. That is, except for one small little shepherd boy named David. Yet when David went out to meet him in the the middle of this field, he wasn't wearing heavy armor, he wasn't carrying advanced weaponry. All he had was five smooth stones and a slingshot. And here he is about to battle this giant on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. In a sense, if David won, the Israelites would win. But if David lost, it would be one defeat among many more to come against the Philistines. In a sense, David was the representative. He was the champion for the the people of Israel. And good thing he was, because we know how this turned out. It has a happy ending, right? David goes out to to meet Goliath in in the middle of the the field. He takes out one smooth stone of those five that he has, puts it in his slingshot, swings it around, and and nails Goliath right in the temple, and he falls with one shot. Goliath is dead, and the Philistines are then defeated by the Israelites. So here's the the concept. If the, the representative wins, the whole nation wins. If the champion wins, the whole nation wins. If David won, all the Israelites won. I think we can kind of start to understand that concept a little bit, can't we? Because we send some of our athletes off to the Olympics and they win their events, be it curling, be it skiing, be it track, whatever Olympics we're talking about. And if they win, we take that as a victory for the United States, right? When USD or SDSU, when, when they win, we take that as a win for the entire state. That's a good thing for the state of South Dakota. But when a Brandon athlete wins or when a Brandon athletic team wins, that's a win for the entire city. So I think we can kind of understand the concept. If the representative wins, if the champion wins, then the entire country, the entire state, or the entire city wins. And because we understand that concept, that that might start to prepare our minds to dig into the gospel reading for today about Jesus and his temptation in the wilderness. Because in a far more important and far more crucial way, Jesus went into the wilderness as our champion. He went into the wilderness to battle the devil as our representative. So this is taking place right at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. So Jesus is about 30 years old at this point. And you noticed in, in our reading it says he, he's leaving the Jordan. 
Because what happened right before this was the, the thing that marked the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It was when he was baptized, which, which is a scene that all of you can probably remember, where Jesus is standing in the, the river, the Jordan River, with John the Baptist, and, and he is being baptized. And at that moment, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove, and then the clouds split apart because there was a booming voice that came from heaven that said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And with that, Jesus' ministry had begun. So, since he's starting something, you would think now would be the time, right, to start to gather a following. He's going to go and find some people to help him out, right? Or, or now would be the time to sit down and, and make a plan. How is this ministry going to go? Let's do some advanced strategic planning here, right? The Spirit had different plans for Jesus, though. It says in our reading that Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Spirit. Kind of a, an interesting thing in Mark's account of this, uh, he uses a word that, that could mean he is thrown out into the wilderness. And so there's a, a sense of urgency, there's a sense of immediacy, there is no time to waste here for Jesus. He is led by the Spirit out into the, the wilderness. But let's, let's talk about the wilderness a little bit. Because uh, this isn't Jesus' camping expedition here. He's entering, a, 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 he's entering physical danger by walking out into the, the wilderness. This was a place where it was going to be pretty difficult to find any sort of shelter to block him, himself from the rays of the sun during the heat of the day. It, it was going to be a difficult place to find a protected place to sleep so he would be safe from all of the, the wild animals that lived out there in the wilderness, he was entering physical danger and he was going to be doing that for 40 days all by him, himself, which is all the more intensified with, with the detail that we get in verse 2, isn't it? Did you catch what he said? He said, for 40 days, Jesus fasted. Now, now I think a lot of us know what that means, right, to fast, but in, in case you were wondering what that means, Luke elaborates on that for us and he says, he didn't eat anything. And that's exactly how it sounds. Not, not a single berry, not a morsel of bread. He ate nothing in that time period, which I think is pretty hard for any of us to, to comprehend, right? We, we know what it's like to be hungry, like we missed a meal or something, or we skipped breakfast in the morning. But 40 days without food, that's a whole different kind of, of pain and starvation that, that maybe we haven't experienced before. But Luke, again, in case you're wondering what the effect of that is, says... Uh, Jesus was hungry. Big surprise, right? But th this is a painful kind of hungry here. So, so Jesus is entering this physical danger. Not only, is he, not only is he in danger from the elements, he's in danger because he has not eaten in 40 days and he is weak. But he's also entering spiritual danger. In fact, that's the whole reason that he went into the wilderness in the first place. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to go to battle against the devil, where he would be sorely tempted by the devil. And so, so the question then is, how will Jesus handle temptation? How will Jesus handle this battle when he is at his weakest? And maybe to fully appreciate that, maybe we ought to think about how we handle temptation when we are at our weakest. How do we do in battling the devil and, and battling temptation when we are tired, when we are hungry. 
How do we do in, in putting up with the, the devil's temptations when we're stressed or busy or worried or lonely or anxious? I think if we're, we're fully reflecting on our heart and if we're being honest about that, even when we are well-nourished, even when we are physically strong, even when we're emotionally in a good place, we find ourselves falling into temptation, don't we? And perhaps that's all the more intensified when we are at our worst, when we are tired, when we are lonely, when, when we are anxious. Maybe we find ourselves falling into those sins even more quickly, falling into to anger, into lust, into our addictions, in, into our idolatry, into our greed. The list goes on and on. And the devil doesn't let up just because we're weak. In fact, he exploits that, right? He is crafty, he is cunning, he knows what buttons to push and what strings to pull. And he can tailor-make a temptation for each and every one of us, just like he did for Jesus. So, so let's look at how Jesus put up with and fought this battle against temptation. So, so we have the first temptation. Jesus is in the wilderness and the devil comes to him and he says, If you are the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. And remember, Jesus is a painful kind of hungry right now. And if he wanted to, he certainly could turn that stone into bread, couldn't he? This was the same Jesus that would later turn five loaves of bread and two pieces of fish into enough food to feed well over 10,000 people and have 12 basketfuls left over. If Jesus wanted to turn that, that stone into bread, he could and eat to his heart's delight. But what's the devil doing here? What's his tactic? Well, he's trying to get Jesus to, to take the, the easy route He's trying to get Jesus to use his divine power for his own wants and his own needs. He's trying to get Jesus to to neglect his role as our substitute and as our representative, to use his divinity to, to serve himself. Because if the devil could get Jesus to do that, then he wouldn't truly be our representative. He wouldn't truly be our substitute. He wouldn't be like us in every way like the the writer to the Hebrews said because he wouldn't know our suffering. Because if you you and I were in that same situation where we hadn't eaten for 40 days, none of us would be able to turn that stone to bread. And so neither did Jesus. Jesus remained steadfast in his purpose. He remained committed to do the will of the Father and to be our perfect substitute, to suffer like us in every way, and to be exactly like us in every way, yet not sin. And so he responds with God's word, and he says, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And from Matthew's gospel, we get the rest of that statement. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So certainly Jesus is not denying that he he didn't have physical needs. Jesus was hungry, he got thirsty, he got tired, he had physical needs. But what he's saying here is the spiritual is far more important. That's a much higher priority than the rest. He's saying that the Lord has promised to provide his needs both spiritually and physically, and Jesus trusts that, and he's here to fulfill his purpose as our champion. So the devil quickly takes him to the second temptation. Now, if we were on the Gospel of Matthew that this this year, we would hear the, the temptations in a different order. So if you go home and you look at Matthew and, and Luke, that the second and the third temptations, they're, they're switched around because it seems like Matthew records things in, in chronological order as in the way it happened, right? 
And it seems like Luke records it thematically, that he goes from the desert to the mountain to the temple. This is his order. He sees this as sort of a progression. Today, we're, we're just going to follow Luke's ordering here. So the, the second temptation that Luke records is taking Jesus up to the, the top of a mountain. And in some miraculous way, uh, he, Jesus is able to see the entire or every kingdom of the world all at one time. He can see them all. And the devil says this to him. I will give you all their authority and splendor because it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. So let's paraphrase for the devil here. What's the the gist of this temptation? Uh, The devil's trying to get Jesus to take the the easy route, to take the off-ramp here and get off off easy by by neglecting or by uh, pushing away suffering. He wants him to take the path of less suffering. He wants him to take what is right in, in front of him and, and to deny his cross. Because if you're Jesus here, uh, and he's human just like, just like us, right? Like, like us in every way, he knows that he has great suffering ahead of him. Not, not to mention the suffering that he's going through right now. He, he's painfully hungry, he's weak, he's putting up with this spiritual battle. But here, there's, there's something right in front of him, something that he can see, something that would be so easy for him to, to give in and take. And he's trying to get Jesus to, to deny his suffering and eventually, you know, to deny being convicted, beaten, and crucified. It would have been easy for Jesus to take this route, right? But again, Jesus crushes temptation. He remains committed to his purpose and he doesn't compromise his mission because he is feeling uh, physically tired, because he's feeling physically hungry. He doesn't compromise because he's suffering, but he remains steadfastly committed to doing what the Father has laid out for, for him, being our champion, being our substitute. So again, he responds with God's word, and he says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. For the, the next temptation... He takes Jesus to the the top of the temple, the highest point of the temple, and he says, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Now, now maybe this one is the most ridiculous of all of the temptations, right? What would be the point of that? What would be the point of Jesus jumping off the the, the temple, the pinnacle of the temple there? Well, the devil has a, a Bible passage for him. He says this, The devil quotes the Bible, saying, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The devil says, All right, Jesus, if you're going to quote Scripture to me, if you're going to quote Scripture to to fight against me, I got some Scripture for you, too. Isn't that just so characteristic of the devil? He takes what is good and twists it to his own evil purpose. He takes what is good and twists it to tempt us. He takes the Word of God, rips it out of context, makes a false application of it, a a crafty trick that he still uses to this very day that that those who are are weak, they they fall into that trap of the devil, but but Jesus didn't. Jesus, again, crushes temptation and responds again with God's Word. He says, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So here we go. Time and time again, Jesus withstands temptation. Time and time again, Jesus is victorious over the devil. Not as your general, 
but as your high priest. We've talked about high priest a little bit today. Uh, What does a a general do, though? Uh, A general's a commander, right? He he has people that are underneath him. He tells them what to do. Many times, maybe he even shows them how to do it with the purpose that they would do the same thing, right? He shows them how to complete a task so that they will do the same thing when he tells them to do that as a leader, right? Uh, But that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't come to show you how you could conquer sin. Jesus came to conquer sin, conquer temptation, conquer the devil himself. He came to be not your general, but your high priest, which means he's your stand-in. He's your representative. He's your champion. And you know what that means. We've already talked about that. And you know what that means for you then, spiritually. It means that Jesus' victory over sin is your victory. It means when, when the writer to the Hebrews says he was like us in every way, yet he never sinned, that was for you. So that you could be perfect in the sight of God. So that you could be forgiven. So that all of your sins could be washed away. So that when Jesus crushes the head of the devil and, and crushes temptation, that means you have crushed the devil. You have crushed temptation. So, we're renting, entering into Lent. We, we've now entered into Lent for a few days here. And Lent is a time where we focus on the, the struggle of Jesus, both his physical and his spiritual struggle. So it's, it's right that we should look at the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness for the first Sunday in Lent every, every year because we're going to focus on his struggle that would end at the cross and the empty tomb. And it's during this time that Jesus would invite us back into our struggle. Maybe you found it easy to give in to temptation recently. Maybe because of a variety of reasons, because of our own weaknesses, we've given in to temptation. But Jesus here, in this season of Lent, and really always, but especially in this season of Lent, invites you back into the struggle. Back into struggling against sin. Back into resisting the devil, resisting temptation. And what he wants you to keep two things with you as you do that. One is preparation, and one is something just to remember. So, so here's the preparation. He, he gives you his word to prepare you. You notice when, when Jesus was, was fighting the temptations of the devil, he used the word, right? He began, began every rebuke by saying, it is written. And then he, he spoke God's word to the devil. Now, now, it's not Jesus' want for you to be able to outquote the devil. That, that's not what he wants for you. Uh, but he wants you to use the, the power of the word to use the Holy Spirit, to use the long gospel that's working in your heart to build and strengthen your heart. And that's what we're doing here on Sunday morning. That's what you're doing in your personal devotional life, in your family devotional life. You are strengthening yourself so that when you enter into battle, you are wielding a very strong weapon, the sword of the Spirit. And you're entering a battle not weak, but strong in His Word. That's how he wants you to prepare. And here's the thing he wants you to remember. He wants you to remember that he has crushed the devil, that he has crushed temptation, which means you are fighting a defeated enemy. You are fighting a devil who has already had his head crushed. 
You are fighting a, a devil who, who has been defeated by your champion, Jesus. Because he won, we win. Amen.